Hello, beautiful and bright soul fam. I am your Ceremony Circle podcast host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and I hope you are doing great. I personally have been dealing with a lot with the launch of my brand new book, Animal Power, doing all the events and interviews and articles and just everything that goes into a book launch. It's been really full on sharing my grandest labor of divine love while simultaneously wading through some of the deepest old wound waters recently. And it's just really been exhaustive, but also incredibly powerful and transformational been a beautiful process. So if you've been in a similar energetic place, just know that I'm sending you so much love and grace, and I hope you graciously receive whatever healing or realizations that are knocking on the door for you. And today's show will actually serve you well, as it is with my dear friend and truly one of my favorite human beings walking the earth. He's a coach for change makers, a writer, a speaker, and his name is Aaron Rose. And let me tell you, he is the real dealio, as real dealio as they come. In fact, he is the kind of leader and coach that if anyone asked, hey, Allison, I was thinking of working with this Aaron Rose. What are your thoughts? I would honestly have zero hesitation, no need for explanation, and it would just simply be a resounding yes, do it, go for it. And we cover a lot of mystical ground today, including Christ consciousness, what Aaron means when he says how we do the work is the work. We cover blind spots, shadow work, how we can transcend fears around criticism and people-pleasing, ways to stay at peace during times of chaos, how to live in total devotion on the spiritual path, and so much more. This episode is truly filled to the maximus with rich embodied healing and supportive energies. And the ceremony Aaron facilitates at the close of the episode can absolutely be life-changing if you allow it. And I will just leave it at that. So I just want to get right into this one. Open your heart, expand your beautiful auric field, and get ready to receive the pure and surrendered love transmissions from Aaron Rose. Always a joy to be with you, Aaron Rose. How Seriously, are you? I'm good. Uh, why do I love you so much? There's something real, real deep here. I know. Oh my God. And speaking of real deep, when I was tuning in, it was taking me to start this chat at like New York, New York City mm. for different reasons. But that's where, when did we first meet actually? We, we were woven online at the beginning of 2019 but then very, how do, how very are we quickly, online? do you remember? It's one of those synchronistic things where it's like you started, I, I remember just seeing you and commenting on your stuff and you commenting back and us just like, it felt like the web was being woven just within a few months of even becoming aware of your existence. I was sleeping in basically like a Boy Scout tent cabin in the middle of the woods with you. Literally in the middle of nowhere. Oh my gosh. And it's so funny. I did not have that down in my two pages of notes for you, but literally I wrote Aniwa Cabin right before we started. Um, I'm like, God, we can't skip over that. What a time we had. That was, it was wild. It was like true divine flow, like full spectrum, all of the emotions, all of the experiences 
but like truly so much fun. Yeah. So Aaron and I, the Soul Fam, sitting with us today for this mystical ceremony circle voyage we're now taking together. We went, was that in the middle of nowhere in like forest in Massachusetts? Yes. Which I didn't even know that much land exists. I thought Massachusetts was so small and like kind of just only city. But no, we were literally in the middle of nowhere. Camp Timber Trails. Oh my gosh, Camp Timber Trails. I've forgotten. I forget how many acres, but t- tons of acreage. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, we were called to go to a gathering that involved various spiritual elders and leaders from various traditions from all over the world. And Aaron and I decided to stay in this um, very rustic cabin together, along with our other dear friends, Ali Tate Cutler and Ksenia Avdolova, now Ksenia Brief, and her husband, Eric. And wow, what a what a time. So many activations, blessings, prayers, ceremonies, medicines of all kinds. And I just love how, yeah, we were all friends. Or maybe you met Allie that time that yeah trip. Allie was a, was a mysterious person before I <laughs> before she was her. unpacking her stuff in the cot next to mine and we were all changing in front of each other and yeah oh my gosh yeah because we didn't even have showers in our our little cabin but wow what a special unique experience to have completely and it lifetime. was it's one of those experiences that when I look back on it now it's that much more significant like there was so much weaving that happened with really crucial soul family for me in 2018 and 2019 so that there was this like community foundation before the initiation of 2020. And even just to feel the significance of 40 indigenous elders from all over the world in June of 2019, nine months before the world really shut down and everything in life is a once in a lifetime experience. And it felt like that in that moment. But in retrospect, it's like, wow, thank you, God. And thank you, me and all of us for listening to the call in that moment. So incredible. I'm just taken back to one of the funnier memories, (laughs) which we will just, yeah, not elaborate on. But anyways, yeah. And then we both lived in New York City. I mean, you grew up there. It was not the case for me. I grew up in a tiny little town in the Midwest um, and then went to college in Alabama, lived in Florida, but then felt very strong call to go to New York City. And my entire, like, oh my God, many years, over a decade that I lived there, I was always had a place in Brooklyn. It will always be so near and dear to my heart. That's where I had my awakening. That's where my clear audience and different gifts got turned on. It's where I met you and so many other incredible people that are still, um, I keep a pretty darn tight circle. I just, I don't know what feels good to me, but a lot of those folks that are in that small, tight circle, very genuine, close friends I have come from my chapters in New York. And, but what was it like for you growing up? Cause you grew up in Brooklyn? I grew up um, partially in Brooklyn, partially on the Upper West Side in Morningside Heights. So like right on the southern edge of Harlem in the early 90s, which was quite an interesting experience. It was uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the first initiation of, of my life, you know, experiencing the vitality of New York and like the art and just the culture and beyond even, you know, my cognitive story as a little kid about what was happening, just being exposed to so many different people. And what I love about New Yorkers is there really is as much conflict may exist on the surface. There's a real expression of unity consciousness there. 
because we're all in it together. You there there are moments where, you know, unless you can afford to take a helicopter, like you have to get on the subway and you have to be with everybody else. And I grew up in a one bedroom apartment with five other people and the oldest of, of four kids. And so it was like just being pressed against humanity in in such a big way. And obviously I'm still healing my nervous system from that. And I lived, (laughs) I lived literally on top of a fire station for the first couple of years of my life. What? I did not know this. What in the world was that like? I mean, even just feeling, I'm not even bringing in the sirens at this point, but just I, yeah, I can't imagine having that many people. I think for the most part still, it seems like fire people are mostly men. I don't know, but less like that many people underneath you who have chosen that unique profession. And then, I don't know, that's very rare to have that experience. It was very intense. And just like the chaos energy of the city. I mean, early 90s was like peak AIDS epidemic, peak crack epidemic, like so much suffering happening. So certainly like sirens going all the time. And I'll never forget when I moved out of the city as an adolescent and then I came back to visit the first night I was lying there and I heard the sirens, my body relaxed. It was like, oh, I'm home. And I was totally freaked out being out in nature initially because I mean, I love nature, but sleeping with the quiet, my body, I was just like, it didn't make sense to me on a physical level. Totally. Because I mean, even if you're not growing up on top of a firehouse, like anywhere you live in New York City, I mean, yes, it's the city that never sleeps and there's just a buzz and electricity and people walking around at all hours or whatever. Oh my goodness. I did not, this is already off to such a adventurous start learning how it was for you. And so not so much of a spiritual childhood. I was raised in a very Catholic context. So there was a certain religious dogma that wasn't even necessarily, you know, it was expressed ideologically in terms of like opinions about behavior and things like that and other people sometimes, but it was more this like the impact of many generations of religious trauma on people's just affect and the way that they move through the world, that just like rigidity of there's a lot of stuff that's wrong and there's a right way to be and that kind of intensity. And I always, it's funny when I look back now, I never, I don't remember being told a lot about God or Jesus. I just remember this really strong feeling of control. And one of my first memories actually is in a church in New York City, lying, I was probably like three or four years old, lying on the the wooden pew of the church, one of those big churches with all kinds of paintings on the ceiling and everybody's singing. And I'm lying there looking up and singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with compelled by this energy within me that was like, I got to set my own vibe. Like, I don't want to participate in what's happening here because something is off. That that really characterized my experience of the church. Just this feeling of like, doesn't like some part of me doesn't feel safe here. And there's some kind of really big separation between what people are saying and how they're actually showing up. Wow. That is really profound, actually. Were you belting it out loud or was it more just like internally to keep that energetic sphere your own? You know, I couldn't tell you, but it felt like I was I was expressing it loud enough to feel like I was in my own world and I was in my own little bubble. 
I feel like that's somehow, I don't have the full vision yet, but I just, I feel like that's some a, a marked something because I don't know, like you being able to have that discernment and skill set, I feel like has carried through somehow um, with you through, through your life. And I don't, like I said, I don't have clarity on it, but that feels substantial for some reason. It does to me too. It re- it's one of those memories I go back to to validate my experience and to remember who I was because there was this like tenacity about it, but there was also this joy. I was like just enjoying my song and enjoying being in my own energy. And so do you remember always having a sense of your soul or always having a sense of divinity, divine, or was that something that later revealed to you? A little bit of both, because from one perspective, I always, I had this sense of wonder and awe always. And there was a part of me that felt devoted to love, to earth, to humanity. Like from a very early age, the people I was looking up to were the revolutionaries who had come before me. People like Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Joan of Arc, um, all of just, and I could list so many different names because those were my heroes as a kid. And so there was a part of me that just looked around and said, it doesn't have to be like this. Like there's something, there was an access point to divinity, to the eternal reality of love and truth that was somewhere in my being that just made me look upon the suffering of the world and say, we can, we can work this out guys. And I'm here. Like, I really want to be a part of that change. I want, it seems so illogical to me that we're fighting in this way. And I know that we can do it. And that kind of tenacity and, and, and just drive within me was very, very innate from an early age, as was this part of me that even with all the suffering I was around was so committed to seeing the good and was like, hi tree, hi flowers, like hi, beautiful night sky, like hi, random act of kindness on the street of New York city. And in some ways it's like that I I can feel my relationship with God and my relationship with my soul in that innate expression. And then it was later that I really began to like cognitively land in like, oh, I'm an eternal spiritual being having a temporary human experience. This is, you know, that, that deeper cognition didn't come till later. Oh my goodness. Wow. And I can feel how that innate clarity and strength serves you. And we'll get to a lot more details of that because of course we all have very unique journeys and beautiful journeys. And I'm not discrediting any of that. With all that being said, I view your path as perhaps exceptionally unique in different ways. And I think that, yeah, you picked a role, you picked a pathway of being of service this lifetime that requires an exceptional, unique kind of strength. And I have witnessed it from afar. I have witnessed it very close. I have witnessed it energetically. I have witnessed it. Yeah. So just want to honor you and thank you. Thank you. I really deeply received that. And I feel, you know, anything we can see in someone else is is also within us. And that there's something about that core tenacity and commitment that I've always felt in you as well and has felt again, like spoken, unspoken, physical, energetic. So thank you for that. Yes. And so 
And I've saved a lot, even though I've known you, we've had really deep conversations. A lot of this, I, what I'm about to ask, I, I don't know, or if you told me, mm. I forgot, because I just, I don't retain much information for some reason. But when did you have an idea of what you thought you would do as like a profession or a career? And that first inkling of what you thought you would do, is it at all? what you do? <laughs> it's again, it's like yes and no, because if I track the energetic signature underneath all of it, it's so consistent to the point where like, I laugh with myself and with God all the time where I'm like, oh my God, like you had me do that. Oh my God, you, God, you had me do that, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And, and, you know, things that even a couple of years ago, I would have thought were like, oh, that's more of an outlier. It's like, it all just continues to make more and more sense. It's like, everything was data collection for this moment. And I have full body chills because it's, I have so much gratitude for that. And from an early age, as I said, like there was a part of me that was like, I want to be a revolutionary. From 14, 15 years old, I was already working as a youth activist. I was part of this group called Think Globally, Act Locally. I and remember I would, that group. Yeah, it was definitely, it was expressed in, yeah, in, in different ways around the world and sort of connected to Amnesty International in different ways. And um, I would skip my study hall period. I would skip my lunch period during high school. And we would convince these like social studies, English teachers to allow us to come in and give presentations to our peers. And the presentations would be like, here's this gigantic issue that's happening in the world that you may not know about. Hunger, malaria, you know, child trafficking, all kinds of different things, environmental issues. That was really when the genocide in, in Sudan was really, a lot of people were suffering through that. And so we would kind of with that youthful bluntness come in with, hey, this is what's going on in the world. And then here's what you can do about it. And so we would always bring it back down to just peer to peer work. Like what can we locally do to be of service to the world and to, and to take care of our fellow humans. And so from that teenage years, it was for, for many years really working in activism and community organizing in a lot of different ways. I did food justice work. I did environmental justice work. I did, um, I worked on climate change things. I worked on labor rights and there was, it was this just full sending it into the energy of like, there are bad things happening in the world and we're going to do something about it. We're going to protest. We're going to, we're going to organize. And when I graduated from college, my first job was as a union organizer. And so I was like, okay, I made it. Like I'm able to um, work for the cause. Yeah, because all of that that you started doing so young was building your leadership capabilities very strong because you're doing that in New York City. I mean, like, I mean... New York City and Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, those are not the easiest places to, I don't know, tromp around. I mean, maybe for you, it was your upbringing. That's what, what you were used to. But uh, it could be a tough crowd, you know? Uh, oh, for sure. It was... Yeah, every which way it was a tough crowd. But again, there was like that part of me that was like, I don't care if everybody thinks this is a dumb presentation. I need to talk about this. Like we need to have this conversation. Well, that was a thread that I have on here on my notes for you. So maybe we'll dip a little mm. bit into it now because I think that piece that you're able to navigate at a high level at such a young age of like exactly what you just said, I don't care if they think this is dumb, this is significant this is meaningful and I feel passionate and inspired about it. So I'm going to share it. I think, and I tend to try to not to generalize, but a lot of people care what other people think about that. And so how, how have you found your way 
because that can be so debilitating. It can literally stop people from aligning with their mission, their calling, their dharma, whatever we want to call it. It can keep people so stuck, keep people in suffering. Just that one little piece of caring so much about what others think. So I don't know what is coming up. Yeah. I want to just honor everybody who feels that way. And I want to honor that we're in a, I'm in some ways so grateful for the experiences of, of my, my younger years, because it gave me a fortitude to navigate a significantly more polarized and high stakes social context that we're in. There's the, the ideological polarization all it's like the fracturing we're seeing the fracturing of our collective shadow so oh it's like there's so many ways to be wrong and it's so hard you know if you're in the right wrong paradigm and you're always sort of subconsciously trying to adjust yourself to the people around you that is way more maddening now and impossible which is cool like thanks god thanks collective healing but it is it is very very as you said debilitating because there's just there's so many different factors if you're still in that consciousness. And when I think about it, I think about programming. I think about, you know, the impact of childhood. Even those of us who haven't had significantly traumatic child, childhoods, we lived in a world where we saw what's what's right to do and what's what's not. Even as something, you know, as, as simple as like being a kid, doing a dance, like singing a song, and then you see your parent kind of like turn away with a little bit of pulling back from you. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that. It's a little too much. Yeah. A little too much. And that's, you know, it's an emotional impact, but it's, it hits on our life or death survival because we need that parent to keep us, they, we need to keep them around (laughs) so that they can keep us around. And our bodies are like, no, I do not want to be rejected from, from the herd, from the group. And so I see how that plays out. And, you know, we, we all have different programming that, that makes us, or we've at least, some of us have, have cleared through a lot of it, but a lot of us are holding that impact of what do I have to do in order to be accepted and okay. And we're also carrying the ancestral impact. We're carrying every time, I just, I get chills every time I think about it. I think about my great, 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 great grandma and grandpa. What did they see when someone spoke up and was in their power? How did their community treat that person? And how many times have we watched the martyring and the sacrifice and the sort of ceremonial removal from society of really powerful people. (laughs) Yeah. Whether it's like through the witch wound, whether it's through like even like, you know, the 27 club in Hollywood, like this energy of like these, you know, the good die young and and people who are really expressed. If I think about Martin Luther King Jr., there's so many people who were cut down early and we carry that in us. And so for me, it's like starting even with the consciousness of it's not just like, I'm not doing so great as a human and I'm struggling a little bit with self-expression. It's like, yo, your whole, your physiology is trying to keep you alive. And so it's really deep, like subconscious shadow work and somatic healing that I think is where we can start to find a new experience. Oh my gosh, so much coming up. I'm so glad we got led into this piece. I feel so important right now. And it was a bit bewildering when I first started to really feel, sense, see, because I thought I did not care what others thought about me. And when all of a sudden, I think it was probably after I got aligned with my calling and had my awakening where it started to reveal that that was not really the case, that it seemed that I was more impacted by and cared more about what others, how others were viewing me than what I ever imagined. And then I would 
when I was trying to process my way through this conscious awareness that was growing, I thought, but I feel like there was a time when I really didn't care, like maybe in my rebellious high school years. I'm like, I know I have that in me. Where did it go? When did it get lost? Mm. And I just started to go on this many, 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 many year long journey of just this one piece of trying to understand, like, did I ever really truly have it? And if I did, like, what were the experiences that allowed it to go away that that truly not kind of caring what other mm-hmm. people thought as long as it felt aligned for me kind of thing. And just bear with me as I'm finding my way through where I'm trying to go with all of this. But the one thing, there have been some things, but the the main thing that has kept me strong through the scariest um, waves and waters of my shamanic path, especially doing it so publicly in the way that I do, because it seems to be such a sensitive thing to a lot of folks, you know, what's kept me holding the line and holding the space that I know that I'm here to hold is my connection point to God goddess, to to the most center point of source that I can get. And of course, to my own heart and great mother earth, the planet we're here. And I preach that vertical line over and over, but it's literally been my saving grace, you know, because like when there is, you know, when there are other people projecting or expressing their views on you, and oftentimes they've never even met you, it can create a very confusing, discombobulating air and energy at times. And if you aren't so clear in that line, before you know it, you can be just carving off areas of your calling and mission that are not to be carved off in order to get back into a more comfortable energy space of feeling like you're liked and accepted. So I don't know. This is just a total no, organic I, I, I love where of... I love where we're flowing <laughs> and I can feel the energy of everybody who's listening and who's just like feeling this in their body in different ways um, and having realizations. And I've had the same experience. You know, I've had, I really feel like I'm in a place now where I'm really surrendered to just how deep the journey is and how we cycle back around to themes again and again. And when I think about like the the heightened energy now, like I felt so, I felt the same way. I was like, I'm good. Like a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm so anchored in my authenticity. Like I'll just say whatever to anybody and I can handle it. And then things shifted. There were deeper levels of integration within self. And like you said, it's like any little moment that I'm not completely aligned, there are parts of me that are like, what if we just drop like this little part of you? What if we just let this go a little bit so we can just like catch our breath? Say this a little differently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and then we don't even necessarily realize that we're doing it until we hit a point of suffering and we're like, oh, I have to like completely surrender again and become even more, more myself because I've once again believe the logic of this third dimensional world more than the logic of love. I've tried to negotiate in something that's a holographic projection (laughs) of my consciousness rather than knowing who I am on that deep level that that never changes. So what would you say are a couple of steps, tips, practices that can allow people, because like you said, you were sensing various um, listeners uh, sitting with us feeling this in different ways. And if it's resonating and they want to start to peer in or strengthen that line of pure source truth within them so that 
because also, like you said, this time right now is unprecedented. We're really having quite the experience here on Earth. We really are. And the shadow extraction and just, you know, being lovingly forced into places within our own beings and within our own homes or whatever, in inside, outside of no longer being able to shut off or blind ourselves from certain components that we probably had maybe our entire previous life. Just there's so much coming up and releasing and swirling and going from you into that person to activate and do this and that. I mean, I mean, it's, I have never known an energetic time like this on earth. And so I think right now, the most important thing is to be able to cultivate heart-centered practices, things that can keep you clear and your inner knowingness of what really feels right for you and practices that cultivate true unconditional love of self and others. So what what are some of the uh, little tips you can give to, for people to do that? The thing that comes up first for me is actually the energy of vows and a question that comes up for me again and again is to what are you devoted and getting really clear on how we can set an energetic foundation for ourselves. And for me, for years, it's something I was doing. And then only in retrospect, did God like shine the spotlight on it and say, Hey, this is a big feature of why you're having the experience that you're having while you're feeling more grounded, while you're feeling more clear and that was for me starting and still every single day, the moment I wake up, really setting my intention, not just setting my intention of like, I want to have a good day, but like, and that's great. But like, I am here to be of service to love. I say the third step prayer in the 12 step tradition, which is all about surrendering your will over to God's will or however you think about God, creator source and asking to be a conduit of love and asking um, to really be a, a reflection of what happens when you surrender your, your human will to the divine will. It literally gives me the <laughs> purging effect. I'm like, Ugh. yep, yeah. And that's something that I started doing years ago. And then only in retrospect, I realized what it was doing for my energetic reality. It was like purifying my experience over and over and over again. And I lean real hard on the power of the spoken word. In the beginning, there was the word. Every spiritual tradition on this earth speaks to the power of sound. And for me, it's especially during these times, it's not enough just to like think it in my head, like, okay, great, I'm going to have it. It's like, this is what I'm here for. And it's something that I work with all of my clients on and anybody who, anybody who I'm supporting is creating that foundation. It doesn't have to be a traditional type prayer you could do the prayer of St. Francis. You could do the Bodhisattva vows from Buddhism. You could create something of your own that's actually like a dance or some other form of expression. But starting your day with a clear statement about what you're choosing to experience really purifies out um, a lot of that distortion. And do you recommend having, I guess this could evolve, morph, shift, yeah. shape, shift and shape, um, depending upon what's going on. But do you advise having a statement as long as it still feels aligned that you say the same every day or saying out loud a different intentional prayer? 
it feels like a balance of like the masculine and the feminine because I'm never, you know, we're clearing inorganic rigidity from this planet on a really deep level. And so the energy of like, I have to do it this way or else loses that, it loses the, that more loving energy for me, it can start to kind of collapse back down. And so I'm always, I'm always giving people the, the invitation to really say like, what feels, what feels organic for you? But that being said, during these times where there's just so much happening, the frequencies coming out of our technology are scrambling things left and right. I do find that where we can create repetitiveness that is organic, that is supportive, it's really, really helpful so that you're not waking up and thinking, what am I devoted to? Oh, you know, like I had that weird dream and I'm already worried about this. And it's like in sort of coming up with it in the moment again, can be super, super powerful, but can also really tax the mind and the energy. So I do find that there's a lot of power in picking one for a while and and sticking with it and and letting it, seeing what happens. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and while I'm saying this, if there's um, another one, I think would be really helpful because even myself, I mean, I have been devoted to a shamanic or mystic way for many lifetimes and for over a decade this lifetime. And you know, truly, totally in devotion. And yet, even with that, and being totally honest, in the last you know year and a half or two years, however long this has been going on, this big shift, there's been at least two or three times where I even wondered, like, am I crazy mm. or am I way off in this way or that way? Or do you know what I mean? Like even me questioning or wondering, and, and I'm someone who, you know, wakes up every day. First thing I do is connecting to my heart, speaking to my heart, start my day at my altar, do whatever practices, connecting into source. Like that's my way of life. So I can only imagine. And that's why just like us kind of sitting in this category for a while because it just feels the most important right now. It's so important. And it's it's like this, as you said, that vertical line, it's like that purity, it does cut through the distortion. And for me, building the devotional practice is a muscle so that when we have those moments, and I've had them for sure in the last couple of years, they they come up in in waves of like doubt, you know, questioning things and feeling those parts of myself that are still somewhere down the timeline, somewhere stuck in some stuff where they're not fully in belief or just the thought forms that are being projected out through the collective of it's crazy to think that things are going to be okay. It's crazy to think that you're a leader. You know, that is being pumped out in different ways. And so sometimes we, we catch a little bit of that. And I find that the devotional, the muscle of doing the practice every day, doing some kind of practice um, we can really lean on it so that when we're feeling, to, you know, pulled away from center, we still have that instinct to do whatever it takes to like crawl our way back to that place rather than just getting really taken in, in a current of, of different energy. And so for you lately, like before, when I was wrapping with Nita, my previous um, interview today, you know, I saw you in the chair through the window, like you know, with your hands up and you seem to be in some sort of meditative state. Can you share a couple of your personal practices, either in the past or current, that have really empowered you? I stay really close to God narratively in terms of my words and also physically. Like I, I used to tolerate a lot more nervous system overwhelm, you know, New York City energy, just kind of being up. And lately I found that 
doing things that like really not holding an agitated energy in my body for too long. I think a lot of us are used to being kind of high and being being up, but taking the time to just to to breathe, to settle my body. If you're feeling like you need energy, doing a longer inhale than uh, in a shorter exhale will bring you the energy. And if you need to calm down, doing a longer exhale will do that for you. So even things like doing alternate nostril breathing, breathing up one side and down the other, and then back up and down the other things like, you know, I'm, I'm getting really into Qigong lately, like shaking my body, just moving the energy, bringing myself back down to earth, um, grounding on the earth every single day. I spent a lot of time in nature before coming here because I knew that we would be in a, we would be in all, all the realms and really just, so there's the physical piece and I'm happy to speak more about the details there if that would be supportive for people. But then when I said narratively, it's like, talking to God. It's like, Hey God, I'm about to go do this thing with Allison. Like, please walk with me. And I probably said that already a couple dozen times on my way here, but just like treating the divine and and that connection like a companion that's always with me and, and leaning into that relational space and, and continuing to surrender my will so that there's no ego that's like, Oh, I think that this is what we should talk about because I've got a great idea about what will help humanity. And instead being like, please, just speak through me. So there's a lot of that like surrender, but also the sovereignty of, of being clear on, hey, I would really love this or this would be supportive or, you know, being clear on what my free will choice is as and well. And you've gotten to that place of being able to feel what that clarity is because you've developed a trust within yourself from yeah. all of your years of the devotion. And so it's just, it's all of this beautiful puzzle and compounding yeah. effect and I, this morning, I've been having the last two or three nights in a row, like honestly, the most bizarre, wildest, I don't even know what the word is for them, dreams of my life, just beyond the beyond. And I, this morning, sat up and just was wide awake. I could literally feel my mitochondria in my body just turned on in a way that I don't recall this lifetime, like maybe when I was a kid, but I don't remember that. And it was a cellular energy and I was wide awake and I thought for sure it was maybe about to turn light outside because I could tell it was dark. And I looked at my phone and it was like 2.54 in the morning. I was like, shit, what am I going to do all these hours? Like I am literally wide awake and ready to go. And so I spent some of that time doing surrender for our interview today. And um, it's, I, it's like my favorite thing to do in the world to just speak to God, goddess, the divine truth, love, light, and power that lives within me and is me into great mother earth and to create that energetic sphere in connection with those places and know that I'm held in those blessings, that protection, that medicine. And then from creating that communion saying, you know, it's always just organic what spews out, but just you know, in my ceremony circle time with Aaron, I, both of us, myself to receive whatever medicine, transmissions, messages that are meant to serve the highest, greatest good. And, you know, I say a few other things, but I just, that's what brings me so much peace is just letting go into that place. And then it allows me to have a greater sense of presence 
with myself and with you, because I know even if while we're talking, I'm like, oh, are we talking about this too long? Or why are you bringing up this and not that? It's just like, I know because I trust because I've already surrendered. hundred percent. And that's what I mean about the vows. It's like you might, you know, if you start with that prayer and then you end up somewhere and you're like, wait, did I mess this up by being here? But then you track back to this very powerful statement that you've said, it does create that safety. And I'm feeling called just to speak to if people are listening right now and they're feeling like, where's their access point into this? Because I think a lot of people have that religious trauma with surrender because surrender was misused of like this sort of patriarchal, dogmatic, you know, basically like an idea of God created to sustain the largest empire in the world in its political and economic status in terms of the impact of Christianity on people in in Western culture, that kind of, I call it the false father. You know, it's this like template of judgment and, and fear and being less than and surrender being like, I'm bad. I have original sin and like, I'm, I don't know what to do. So I have to be guided from that place of lower self-worth mm-hmm. and I, I find that in, in a lot of the people that I work with and, and it feels very connected just to like the shame that exists in, in humanity in general, that sense of like, I'm not worthy of that connection or that connection means going to be found out to be bad. I'm so glad you're bringing this up and stay exactly where you're at because, because I did not have a religious upbringing, I can't speak to mm. surrender from the way, from the angle that you're speaking at it from. I, I know it just from the the sense that I have shared. So I think that, yeah, continue, but I think this is good to bring this in. Beautiful. Yeah. And even like the word, the word God is so triggering. I, I used to say universe or source a lot more, but in the last year, I think it'll probably continue to shift, but God was like, you need to say God because there's so much trauma here that we need, that people are ready to have triggered to then heal, to reclaim the word, to reclaim this relationship. Cause truly, you know, the, the essence of a certain version of dominant distorted Christianity is that you're really not that, that humanity is separate from God and that you have to, that, that it's this like lifelong journey of sort of waiting and being good enough in order to on the other side, hopefully come back into union. Um, and so for anybody who's feeling that, I just want to invite that kind of consciousness of like, Oh, that's, that's just a story. And there is a part of you that knows beyond all of that, that you're connected to the all and that you're good and that you're pure and that connection to the divine is not about being exposed in your unworthiness. It's about being supported. It's about not having to do it on your own. It's about never being designed to have to hold everything, including the, the, th- the, the things that, that maybe have tainted your past or that you feel like you know, you wish you had done differently. There's a love there um, that is available to us. And it's a relationship that you get to build over time too. You know, it's like, we don't need to trauma bond with God. We don't need to be like, yo, I haven't talked to you in a while. Like now I have to trust you completely. It's like, take your time. Hey God, I'd like to build the connection. I'm willing to unite my will with yours. I'm willing to have a new experience of our relationship and like doing it in that healthy, respectful way, because that's how I did it. I had to, I had to really walk my way back. And there were a lot of moments where it was not instinctual for me to invite God in. I would, you know, have mentors and stuff in my life. I would call them with a problem. And they'd be like, have you prayed? And I'd be like, no. And what were you scared of? 
I think on a subconscious level, there's like the ego fear of just like, oh no, if I surrender fully, like I am going to have to become my most amazing self. And that is going to be very intense. And then there was like true, deep, original sin programming from my Catholic lineage that was like, you, you are inherently bad. And if you let yourself stand before the divine fully, like you will be exposed as wrong. And so there was like really deep, like, like punishment, persecution, like damnation programming that I had to clear. Was that around a particular category of life or? I think it has expressed somewhat in different aspects of my experience in terms of like gender and sexuality. But it was, I, I, when I really got to the taproot and I had to like get in there to, it was so deep to pull that programming up and out. I realized that it was going to latch onto anything, you know, no matter who I like, because the whole energy of that programming is there's nothing you can do to be good enough. So it would have attached to any aspect that and yeah, any aspect of my myself. That makes sense. I love how we surrendered. We were like, we're talking about surrender. And now we're like in this really, really deep, powerful place that that I feel like is so connected to a lot of what humanity is going through right now. For sure. And I'm so grateful that you were able to bring in um, what others who have a similar upbringing or or whatever, religious or not, I mean, if they're, yeah, just struggling with what does surrender mean and and how it sits with them to bring in a different vantage point. So thank you. And and where does Jesus... Where does Jesus, Jesus. and Christ consciousness, how does all of that come in for you? You know, I definitely had a nuanced relationship with Jesus as a kid because there was a lot said and done in his name that did not feel good to me. You know, this sense of like judgment and like, you know, he had to die because you're so bad. Like that original sin programming again. And so for a while, I I just really distanced myself. Like I was like, I don't want to go near this energy because there's so many, it felt like it was just like landmines of like all these ways that I could be wrong or not see him in the right way. You know, again, within that kind of Christian understanding, it's like, there's a pretty strict understanding of like, you have to believe that Jesus was this very specific thing or else, or like, then you're, you're deceived. You're not actually having a true relationship with Jesus. And I remember my mom used to say to me all the time, she would say, I see Jesus in you. And I was like, no, like it was, there was this like deep rejection and, and fear. But then as I began to, to walk my path of purpose, again, from a very early age, I started to see, it was this big revelation for me when I saw that all of the revolutionaries that I saw walking these very powerful paths I had just been seeing them in third dimensional terms, you know, like, okay, so you liberated this entire country from oppression. Amazing. Or you took this really big stand against this empire and I didn't have a consciousness. I'm getting chills. I didn't have a consciousness of them as being spiritually or religiously connected. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, all of these people have a real, they are completely surrendered to God. They're like, this is, this is a, a divine mission I do not do this on my own strength. And all of them had a relationship with Christ in some way. All of them moved with the assurance and the authority of pure, unconditional love. And for me, that is the story of Christ, Yeshua, Jesus. People know him by, by many names. It's, it's a love unconquered. It is the truth of et- the eternal life that we all have. It is the truth of in any moment, 
we can be made completely new. And anything that would have us believe that we're separate or that there's some kind of safety found in attack or judgment, it's it's an illusion. It's and so, it's God, it's like one of the thickest, strongest illusions that exists on earth though. It's, it's so doozy. enticing. Yeah. Why is it so enticing? That feels like a mystical question to yeah. like live and breathe into. I think it's, you know, in, in Islam, they talk about the dunya, like the, and in, you know, Buddhism and, and Hinduism, it's, it's maya, you know, the illusion of the world. It's, it's quite an interesting thing that we've done on a consciousness level to be this immersed in an experience that does have duality, that does, you know, it's like, I know that we're the same, we're, we're one in the field of infinite potential. And yet we've had very different lives. We, I'm like looking at our bodies, like we are separate physically. And so I do feel like there's a lot in this world that I feel like there's an aspect of my soul that came here to be like, okay, cool, like maximum diversity, maximum opportunities to think that we're completely separate. And so then like how glorious is the reunion to realize that we're all one to see beyond all the specificity, which is also beautiful. Um, so that's, it feels like an ongoing journey for sure. Hey, beautiful soul fam. I just want to take a moment to remind you that the biggest project of my entire career, my first book, Animal Power, is now available. This book is truly lifetimes in the making, and this lifetime I worked on it for over four years. So needless to say, I am very honored and excited that it is now available to be in your home and the homes of your friends. It's so thrilling. Animal Power Book is brimming with 100 different vibrant animal illustrations, transformative practices, and captivating stories from around the world. It is an enlightening guide to the power of the animal realm and how they bring peace, healing, and empowerment to your life. It is truly such a powerful and loving medicine book. My life was completely transformed by working with power animals, and it was actually them who came to me and asked me to co-create this very book with them. And the art for each of the 100 animals is stunning and vibrant and embodied. The artist, William Santiago of Brazil, actually passed away at the young age of 30 right after completing the works of art held in animal power. So I want to honor and thank him for sharing his legacy within these pages. You can go and get your copy of Animal Power and a copy for your friends and family. It's available everywhere books are sold. But if you get it now at my website, which is allisoncharles.com backslash Animal Power, you will get a free video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me where you will meet your current power animal. It is a perfect gift. So any animal or spirituality lovers out there, you know you can grab a copy of Animal Power for them for their birthday, Halloween, Christmas, etc. So much love, Soul Fam. And to all of you who have already purchased your copy, thank you with all of my heart for your support. Animal Power Book has regularly been the number one new release on Amazon. I could not be more grateful. That was good. I liked where you went with that. How did you phrase it? You didn't say unconditional love with Jesus. It was lo something love. With, I feel like it was a you word you said. I don't know if you remember how you described. Not I don't know. Anyways, it's, but it brought up, like for me, one of the things that makes me the happiest and lights me up more than anything right now is how I feel like just in the last year or two, 
I have reached my highest degree of success because I have truly, through all my years, Jesus as Ascended Master Jesus happens to be my main love and light guide this lifetime for anyone new to Ceremony Circle. And so I am with his presence um, in a bunch of different ways every single day. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Some of the, yeah, most uh, trying, scariest decision point times of my life where I was given certain divine assignments or instructions and did my exhaustive integrity checks around and shamanic journeys around. It was him that would come in and just affirm what I needed to do. And if I didn't have him, you know, to reassure or to say, this is not a vigo, this is your divine path or whatever the, the message was, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I, because I don't know that another human person saying that same message would have given me that reassurance, that level of reassurance that I needed. It was through him that at different points has just allowed me to stay so strong. And through him, I know in his teachings in a bunch of different ways, sometimes just strictly medicinally, energetically, it was building me to this place that I've gotten out in the last couple of years of truly being able to be in that place of embodied unconditional love where even when someone is attempting to cause harm or express a hurtful word or sentiment or whatever, I'm truly able to go straight to my altar or to sit in prayer in that moment and to just send that person nothing but love and to pray genuinely for their healing and for their reconnection back to their hearts. And to me, that is the highest definition and level of success. And to have been able to find my way to that place, it's um, it's a feeling just yeah beyond words to to be there. And I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful of my evolution of what success means to me. Because Lord knows, 10, 20, 30 years ago, I would not have classified that as like the pinnacle of like, you're doing a really good job, yeah. Allison. You know, it would have been a lot of other things. What comes up for you with that? So beautiful. Thank you for sharing in the way that you did. Just feeling the power of that love. And it's like this sturdy love that that fortifies you. I think people have this misconception that love is somehow like passive or weak. And it's like, I just feel so much strength. It, to me, it's like Christ crystalline. It's like this structure that like just helps you hold the, the truth in this way deeper way. Yes, yes. And that was my path as well. I mean, I remember earlier, like when I was first exploring Buddhism, when I was like meditating for the first time, when I was like 17, 18 years old and hearing for the first time, this idea of like, you know, your only prayer basically should be like for inner peace. I was like, that's cool. But like, what about social justice? And like, what about like having enough money to survive? And there was, you know, I had to really work through different aspects of mastery in the physical realm to then reach that point where truly nothing satisfies the soul and the essence other than that that peace that is found in in pure love and just many experiences that i've been through i had a lot of bad guys in my consciousness a lot of people that i could have been pointing pointing fingers at and saying and that i was i was like if they would just change their behavior then i would be fine i would be okay like you know it's their fault 
and understanding, you know, perpetration of harm on one level, but then going more deeply metaphysically, it was like the greatest liberation and surrender of my life to realize that's only in my reality because there's some attack energy and separation within myself. And actually what these people are saying to me, I kind of, I definitely believe it about myself on some deep level. They're, they're mirroring that to me. And then to get to that place, as you said, where it's like, even if I dance in separation for a moment or two, it's like return to center, go home (laughs) and, and go home. I mean like to heart and to love the only logical option is to pray for everybody's well-being. And, you know, for me, that's lots of different prayers, but I also, I really love the Buddhist meta practice of just, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live a life of peace, seeing that and sending that to people. Um, and then Ho'oponopono, which is, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And one of the last little bits that I'll just say is that, you know, of course, for everyone, it's different. For me, I had, I chose to devotedly work I, I got I started to get a sense of awareness that there was more of unconditional love and understanding and embodiment and integration that I could get to and wanted to get to you know I think having that awareness and setting that intention to have that land truly inside of me so I could truly be that that conduit, that space holder, that vessel of that. I think that intention, you know, is really what sent me some of the biggest initiations and fires, you know, needed to experience and walk through so that I could get to that place. So for me, it did, definitely did not come overnight. It definitely did not come quote unquote easy, you know, but I arrived. And like you said, I liked how you explained it. You know, there, there might be some times where something, um, what I would deem to be an attempt at harmful or challenging or darker energy uh, attempting to, you know, come into my experience. And there might be just like a second or two where, because there's different layers that you have to work through to get into that place of embodiment. There's the defenses, there's the ego, there's the desire to blame and point fingers so that you don't have to keep doing this freaking hardest, deepest work, you know, and stay into that intention. And I mean, there's a lot, but I guess I'm just um, saying this to affirm that it that it is possible if that speaks to you to want to arrive to that place. And it's what we're here to do. Like truly, this is the curriculum of this experience from my perspective. And, you know, as painful as it is to see everything happening in the world and the level of separation and attack energy, to me, it it is like that great purge and it's taking us to deeper levels of like truly does our love know no exception. It's easy to be, to feel like you're in the field of unconditional love when, you know, you've got someone who like cuts you off in traffic and you've got a, a nasty comment here or there. It's another thing when it's like all of humanity is pointing fingers at each other so intensely right now. And it's the most humbling choice to walk that path in this life. Because for me, it's like the logic landed immediately. It was A Course in Miracles, actually, for me, a metaphysical text, very connected to the Christ energy. It's all about moving from from fear to love within your consciousness. And there were moments that in, in reading that text for the first time that just hit me like, oh, I could see peace instead of this, right? My salvation is tied 
to my ability to see someone else as myself. Mm. Um, And I had that like aha moment of the path, but then walking it, I don't think we'll be done till we're done. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, for sure. I agree. Even though I'm so grateful to have felt that arrival. I mean, it's, it's infinite in terms of like, yeah, the depth and expansion that you can go into just that, that one piece. And so I think I kind of want to make a random segue into like, what, yeah, like, what do you even do? Who are you? Like, how do you explain in, in human uh, terms um, how you are of service to people? Well, high level, I'm on a mission of love. Truly, I feel my calling is to be of service to the healing of separation on this planet. And I find that rooting into that is very, very powerful and important for me because God has called me to be quite dynamic in the expression of that. You know, I've had chapters as an activist, as a community organizer, as an educator, as, you know, a a peer advocate. I was a tour guide in New York City for a minute. But even that was like I was being an ambassador on behalf of the immigrant stories of the city and helping people heal their consciousness around exclusion there. And I did diversity and inclusion work for a long time because I was responding to humanity's issues with honoring and and dealing with the generational trauma of identity-based violence that has occurred in our lineage. And it's just continued to to unfold in, in many different ways. But the thread that is really consistent for me is actually uh, leadership training, is I, I, I feel deeply called to be a leader who is here to support other leaders, who's here to be be that earthly guide and, and witness as people are feeling that call and stepping up into like, whoa, I'm here for something big. I'm feeling that divine activation. Even if they're a leader who's been, you know, serving in the public eye for a while, um, but they're having that deeper sense of like, whoa, there's like something bigger than me moving through here and then being brought through the initiations of having to to separate from the collective consciousness of of fear and to really stand for whatever it is that they're meant to stand for. And so I still do a, a bit of coaching with high-level leaders, supporting them and walking that path. Um, I have online programs and and I know that my work is going to continue to be being a person that someone can encounter when they're feeling like the the magic and the fear and the wildness of the divine call of being of service to healing this planet and building a world where we all thrive. Okay. Okay. So you said you have some online programs and occasionally you still work one-on-one with folks. Am I missing anything or like... What if, yeah, what if someone wants to work with you? Is it a, is it a longer portal of an experience where it's, you know, ideally six, 12 months to Mm. really, or is it just vary? It does vary. um, And I'm definitely in a transition moment right now. I have a book coming out next year that is really all about answering the call of your divine mission. And I can feel myself being positioned to really be of service to more and more people to be bringing the same tools to many. And so that's going to look like more free content in in a variety of different ways and really pouring my energy into podcasting and just longer form writing. And really, it's like I've been through this experiential 
collection of all of the data on what it means to show up in this moment. And now it's about taking that essence and amplifying it more. In terms of one-on-one coaching, it really, it's such a divine call. I don't really put the call out there at all. It's just always that someone, you know, it's like God brings someone to me and I'm like, and I just know, and there's a, there's, there's a devotional surrender there too. Cause everyone's, you know, I'll have moments where I'm like, I feel like I should be done, you know, having this many coaching clients or, you know, I should leave more space for this. And it's like, and then someone shows up and there's just a sense of this is part of my service. I have never, (laughs) yeah, I've never advertised a moment of my path ever, not on my website, not social media, not anywhere ever saying I work with small groups or one-on-one, but lo and behold, someone will still get whatever that spark or inkling to reach out and somehow find an email address that makes it way its way to me when I feel it. I'm like, I'm supposed to work with that person. And I love how it works that way. It's so beautiful. And it's such a sacred relationship. You know, there are some leaders that I've been working with for years now. And it's like, we reach that point where it's just family. It's like soul family. And that's how my mentors are for me. It's like, I invest deeply in intentional container with them. And then there's just that sense of like soul contract and like deep, deep, you know, we we're here to help each other keep remembering and stay, stay on the path. Yeah. And so I do, because that description of how you can support and be of service to people, it does take me back to what can potentially come up for people when they're starting to align with their true divine uh, callings and missions. And okay, so not everyone's divine path needs to be one that it's super triggering. But I find that if, yeah, if you are someone that is wanting to be an anchor of supporting oneness and truth of unity and unconditional love, at least for right now, still, that's a bit outside of the norm and the matrix. And so it's like, even if you have those pure intentions, there tends, you tend to still be a visionary of sorts, even though those are like the, the, the most ancient true truths of humanity and of, and of earth, um, right now it still seems to be, um, you still seem to stand out a little bit like a sore thumb. And so it's like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to ask you. And I guess we've kind of touched on it a little bit about that people pleasing and stuff, but it can be really hard when you see that the true surrendered divine path of yours does tend to evoke or elicit certain feelings or medicine activations within others that may involve projection or, you know, all of a sudden anger that's been suppressed in another person through the medicine that you hold and embody, all of a sudden this anger that they didn't even know was inside of them comes up to be expressed. And you just happen to be that space holder of said final and finally unearthing of this emotion that needed to be known in that person and your medicine allowed that to happen or certain triggers. And so I guess I'm asking if you have any tips for how people can remain the best they can. And for me, my ability with this piece 
gain strength through time, through practice, through years. But how can one say stay strong when you realize the path and the medicine you bring can elicit? And of course, it's ultimately what their soul is asking for and wants to have come up for them and for their own healing and evolution. But sometimes it's not so fun to witness those scarier, what can feel like scarier um, components of life or human behavior. So how do we reconcile that? How do we stay holding the line? How do we stay the best we can in our peace when we become aware that our mission in medicine can bring with it a lot of uncomfortability? It's intense. It's really, and I'm humbled by the intensity, like again and again and again, just each new, each new level, there's, there's more to return to love. The first thing I was actually hearing was just this like invitation for pacing for people. You know, I think that sometimes when folks are like, okay, I'm ready to be a leader. And they're like, okay, why isn't my Instagram growing? Or why don't I have the clients or whatever? Like there's a sense of like seeing the end destination and then feeling like they're not further along than they should be. And in my experience, it's like this stuff that you're talking about is why we get paced. You know, there I'm very clear that I have the amount of followers online right now that my nervous system can handle. And and it's and it's like this, it it goes both ways. It's like who's going to receive my medicine later and be triggered that they're not ready for it yet. That's going to be too much of a trigger, but also am I ready to handle the projection of what's coming back? And so I feel a lot of like grace in the organic process. And again, that's where the devotional vow comes in, where it's like, I'm ready to serve at whatever level I'm meant to serve. I do a lot of protection protocol. I really believe strongly in that if anything is showing up in your reality, there's some part of you that's giving permission to it. So we're, we're going through, there's so many little, like there's all these layers coming in and I love it because one of the layers is we're all purging what it means to be a leader right now. Like we're, we're purging just centuries of monarchy and slavery and elite control and gurus and this imbalance. It's like one thing to see someone as further on the path and to respect them. It's another thing to have that inorganic, like you're not able to be sovereign in, you know, they used to call in the monarchies, they would call the king or the queen, the sovereign. It was the person who had the power. And so we're not immune from that as leaders. We're purging, you know, if someone's projecting onto us, you let me down or you're bad in this way. It's like they're purging their relationship to leadership and giving their power away. We're learning how to be a sovereign leader who doesn't subconsciously allow people to give their power over. We're learning, you know, we're purging out perfectionism and what it means to be a leader and feeling like we have to be perfect and like, you know, we can't be this complex human at the same time. There's so many different layers. And it's bringing me to the somewhere. Oh, yeah. For some reason, what I found this statement on your website and mm. I'm being guided to it right now. And it was how we do the work is the work. What do you mean by that? This is one of my, my catchphrases. How we do the work is the work. So for, for me, the honestly, one of the biggest aspects of my awakening was waking up to the universal law of as above, so below, and, and just understanding frequency, understanding that the, how we show up is what gets 
experienced, right? If, if we, if we're holding an energy of, you know, if there's a part of us that's like, you know, in anger and judgment and blame, but we're showing up to like have a reconciliation, reconciliation conversation, we're probably going to have kind of a conflict in that moment. If we're sharing something online with the feeling of, oh, I hope people don't judge me for this, then we're probably going to get some judgmental comments. And so for me, it's about like frequency mastery and, and understanding what MLK said, what Gandhi said, what all these leaders that I've been referencing said, which is our means have to reflect the ends that we seek. And so all we have is the now moment. I remember having this, and there's so many different aspects of this coming through, having this moment as a young activist and being like, when are we going to know that we're done? It was like this innocent thought of like, how is everything going to change Like when we get there, when we get to justice? And it was this awakening of like, okay, we're talking about healing the planet, but we're still polluting it. We're talking about having good workplaces for people, but there's still sexual harassment happening within this activist community. We're talking about love and acceptance, but we're judging the people that we're telling to be loving and accepting. And so for me, how we do the work is the work is about having a deep vision and relationship with that wholeness, that completeness, that thriving, and then saying, how can I move towards that by being it right now? So good. So important. A lot of good wisdom in this uh, flow here. And so back to that other aspect of your work that's pretty much been a constant around healing separation and bringing us back to unity. And I'm sure a lot of what we have traversed in this conversation could pertain to the the answer that I'm trying to get from you, but there's probably a couple things outside of it too. But how can we best heal separation? Like one thing that Source has really been coming to me f- for the last few months, and I'm just, I'm, there's still, I'm not going to lie, there's still like a anywhere from a 1% to 10% resistance inside of me a little bit. Um, sometimes there's none and sometimes it's it's up there more. But with my seer abilities and my just, I mean, even when I'm just so non-invasive and honoring with my gifts, I'm not like going to gatherings trying to like see what funk people still have, but I just, I, I just see it. And so I've really operated until recently under the premise that unless someone leans in, unless someone senses or hears that I'm a seer, shaman, whatever we want to call it, and they want to inquire, all the stuff that I see remains just unspoken of because I have not been given the invitation or permission to express. And Source has really been coming to me lately and really instructing me to rise up in my responsibility with this gift and to speak on what I'm seeing more. And it's fascinating what has been then from this instruction been entering into my experience in my field. And that's where some of those resistances keep coming in because I'm just like, oh my God, like I understand the mission, but not in this way yeah. and not with that person. I said yes, but like... <laughs> Can not we change this way? Yeah. Not with Can her. I modify that total surrender to being, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, and with all of what I'm sharing, I have just been noticing this like thing inside of me that wants to just exclaim and be a bit more bolder and my command almost of like, clean up your side of the road. 
clean up your side of the street. Like all of these blind spots and shadow aspects and unconscious behaviors and patterns that have just for so many years or lifetimes been creating so much murkiness and messiness in your life. It's time to take greater energetic responsibility. It's if you've never done the blind spot or shadow work or unconscious excavation work, if you've literally never done a day of it, it's time to start doing it. And and then yet I hear, you know, the maybe a little bit too much force in me wanting to exclaim that because I know it's not meant for everyone this lifetime to go inward and to, you know, to maybe unearth their blind spots. So there's so many nuances to it. But I guess my point is there's just this theme of like, we need to take greater responsibility than ever before of how much work have we really done on ourselves and energetic responsibility. Like what are we carrying into conversations, relationships, spaces, rooms, gatherings, interactions, like Because if you have not tended to your blind spots and your unconscious patterns, chances are you're bringing in messiness. And I'm growing, I think, a bit weary and tired of all of the mess that people are not cleaning up on their street. Mm. What do you have to say about (laughs) that, Aaron Rose? I love it. I was actually feeling the energy of, of your union. And I was wondering, you could punt this question back and just redirect me if you want, but was wondering if like, I've seen the way that you and Luke coming together was this like real embodiment of two people who like have cleaned their side of the street and the, the field of the union that you have being one where you're getting to just like on a daily basis, experience such a high level of integrity and in relationship. And I don't know, I was just wondering if you feel like that's an aspect of of like that contrast is showing up at all. So I'm, I'm starting to get where you're going. You're curious if by me now being able to be in that field with him, how are you wondering if that's playing? Yeah. I was just wondering if that's creating like more contrast because you're in this experience now of like the freedom and the relief of, uh, and, and like real human experience of like being in deep connection where people are not, just dumping their trash everywhere. Oh shit. You just might've really honed in on something there, tiger. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I had not thought about that being a part of this spectrum dance at all, but, um, yeah, I, it definitely resonates. And I think that's something that I'll um, drop into and marinate into a little bit more how much or, and how it's playing a role, but it definitely is like a center line. Yeah. Yes. There's for sure that's coming into play. I think, yeah, because I'm witnessing, yeah, the freedom and the cleanliness and the liberation and just the healthiness, the level of just baseline health that comes when you're with someone who has also tended to their street and really swept up and cleaned up for years um, in the dirtiest of corners, you know? Yes. And I also know the other way. I know the freaking anguish and suffering and what feel like very, very scary gremlins that come from when you turn the other way, look the other way, don't go there. I know both sides. And I think with what's going on in the world collectively, yeah, I think there's a lot of things bringing me to this place of um, really urging people to get their broom out. Can, can, can you open the closet? I just saw you with like all (laughs) these different cleaning tools. Thank you for reflecting on that. It just came through very strongly as like this, you know, you're 
we can all, there's a lot of people talking the talk, but I just wanted to reflect that I see you like truly living that integrity and having like had the full, having had a deep experience of comprehensively cleaning the shadow and continuing to tend to it. And that's, that's a huge aspect of what drives me as well, because there are parts of me that are, you know, that, that know what it's like picking up the paper. Yeah, I got uh, in my, in my throes it. of my passion. I tossed the pages down on the ground. <laughs> I've already been through so much of deciding to clean up my stuff rather than to point it at other people. And, and, I, and I was in the suffering. I was rock bottomed in that space of seeing the problem as outside of myself. And it only caused me more suffering. Like I went so deep into that as an activist in terms of just the trauma that I had been through and it didn't work. And I came out on the other side and was like, oh, like the only way to get free is to clean this up within myself. Um, and so I'm, I'm deeply passionate about that. And, and where I, I, I think we're all being called to, to go deeper into it and to give people more tools for really like looking at the shadow and understanding how to love it, how to, what does it mean to integrate it? And this, yeah, I'm just feeling, feeling all, all that energy. There are some people that aren't ready to look at it, but the question I always ask is, are you actually willing to have a new experience? That's, that's the question that I will ask when I see someone in the loop, because some people are quite happy actually, like they're, or they're a part of them feels very, very comfortable being in the trauma drama. Um, but every day, more and more people are saying, wait, there might be a, a different way. And I'm ready to have that. I'm ready to explore that. Yeah. And I guess I, you know, went into that theme because when I think of, and I mean, I've spoken of this for years, when, when we want to be of greatest service for the world, and if we're really looking at that unity piece and, and healing that separation and bringing back, bringing us back to that place of oneness that is the truth, you know, it, it requires us doing what I just went on that rant about. And so I think that's why it surfaced as like a key solution because I love this quote, once you know yourself, you know the world. And mm. so once you start to go in and get the mop and the broom and all of those things out and really, you know, yeah, get to know all components and aspects of you, it's from that place that we can hold the non-judgment and the unity and the compassion for, for all others because... Um, yeah, we certainly have. Yeah. Because it's within ourselves. Yes. And, and to me, it's like, what a brilliant design. It's like, oh my God, I don't have to control everybody else on earth. Every time something is upsetting me in the world, I have to look for the root of it within myself and do the highest integrity tending to that that I can. And that is contributing to the rise of this unconditional love consciousness on earth and, and to the healing of our systems because it's like anytime we think that we're just gonna like jerry-rig it of like, oh, we're gonna like make a better government without like learning how to discipline ourselves and like healing our like par parent stuff and our king and queen stuff. And, you know, it's like the government should pass this different law. It's like what part of me still feels like an institution controls me? What part of me is still disconnected from my sovereignty in that way? So it's it's intense, but I, it's like anytime I really connect with that truth of what you just outlined of, of getting to know ourselves, there's so much freedom in there because it is that responsibility for our personal experience. And then every time we go deeper and we go into the shadows and we purge it out and we integrate it and we love it all, then, you know, when I do that, I emerge 
so much more myself and so much more resourced to support other people. Certainly so. So, okay, a couple of things before we do your, whatever your ceremonial offering is to close the circle. This one, you know, is maybe a little bit of, a lighter in texture, but maybe not. So I, I'm fascinated by a, a piece that I have been seeing happen more and more. And I haven't articulated this yet, so I'm trying to find the human words, but with these shifts and extractions and awakenings and everything that's going on um, collectively, individually, I there's a very beautiful side to what I'm about to say. I've been witnessing a lot of other people waking up to their spiritual gifts and their mm. abilities and, you know, the beautiful pondering of, you know, of course we all have healing abilities, but like, am I a healer? Am I meant to be a healer like for a career and, and in what way? And I mean, there's certainly t- t- infinite things that can come with when you truly embark on the hero's journey, the spiritual path. But what one intriguing thing that I'm seeing with all of these um, greater awakenings and awarenesses of these possibilities is like, let's take, for example, TikTok. I'll be scrolling through TikTok and I'll just in the scroll land upon a person where before I even knew it, they're sending a freaking Reiki transmission. And they're like, I I don't even have a chance to hear that you're, you're about to send an energetic transmission my way. I don't know who you are and I haven't had a chance. Like who you're working with. Who you're working with. Who you, who you, yeah. yeah. Who are you talking to? Yeah. Before I even have a chance to continue the, the swipe up of the scroll to the next TikTok, the person's got their hands up and they're blasting some Reiki transmission. And I'm like, hold, hold up. I, I, I don't, Something needs to maybe slow down a little bit here because that's like 101, step one of 101 is not doing stuff like that. And I'm seeing, and so I don't even know the question that I'm trying to get out because I've never really talked with anyone about it. I'm just, I'm like, wow, there's like, of course, with everything, the duality, you know, there's this beauty of people remembering that we all have these incredible gifts, but then there's this other side of like, oh my God, like there's to, to do this in a way that is, I don't know, a truly healthily embodied or integrity filled or non-invasive Um, not violating to others. There's just, there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of guidelines. And so what do you think about all of this and what have you witnessed? I love this inquiry. I feel like there's so many different aspects of it. When you were talking about the Reiki coming through, it was interesting because I was like, I I do have some perspectives and, and feelings about that particular thing. But I was like, every TikTok is blasting you with some kind. You don't know what is going to come at you. That's so true. And it's like it's this. It's like the frequency of that app is like bombardment. I have never, I have never even downloaded TikTok because I. And I know at some point God's going to like, I'm going to be strong enough, and I'm going to be called to do it. But my nervous system is no match for that baby. Like it is. It's like a drug for me, at least. Like I, I know that the there's just the amount of information and intensity that's coming through. So to me, it almost brings up like the aspect of, of, of it's like both the responsibility of the viewer and the person putting up the content. Like where are we being sovereign and boundaried with our relationship with tech, knowing that like there's just the amount of stuff that's, that is subconsciously being put into our reality through that is, is so wild and then intention, like I was feeling this energy around folks who were showing up and just like blasting someone with Reiki on a TikTok. Really, what is your intention there? Is it, oh my God, thank God, like I maybe have this gift. So now I can help people and make money on TikTok instead of working my 
nine to five job. And if I hit people with this frequency, they're going to feel better and then they're going to want to follow me. And then it's like, from one perspective, is that super distorted? You're being of service, you're stepping onto your path. That's okay. But from another, it's like the scarcity and like grabbing energy underneath that. The lack of of trust or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, this energy of like, yeah, truly why are you like, sitting with what is the intended experience that you want people to have and how much is this kind of like transmitting something in that way kind of non-consensually and really quickly how much of that is just capitulating to the energy of the app and do and making a values-based compromise in order to grab someone's attention or in order to be cool or like sort of play into being seen and appreciated in that way and it does feel like the wild wild west right now and it all for me feels like it's all about sovereignty it's all about this initiation that we're moving through around understanding being 100 percent responsible for ourselves and not positioning ourselves over or below other people yeah because it can be easily justifiable in a lot of ways like just one of them being like well that's the model of TikTok. It's 15 seconds or, you know, maybe the longest one now is 30 seconds. I don't remember. Um, yeah, it's it's an intriguing piece. I feel like there was one other little thing that was announced. I'm just I'm just feeling a little thing around surrender. Like if you're it, it's like, did you truly feel the divine guidance to sling that Reiki at someone? Or was that sort of more of like a mental choice about what the right thing to do would be? Yeah, because uh, I am not a big TikToker. I haven't like um, made one of my own in, in many months, but I do pop on there, you know, definitely a number of times during the week. But I would venture to guess that like the healing space is probably a pretty popular one over there because it, it is growing in resonance, you know, people leaning in to various sages, um, Reiki masters, whatever. And so, yeah, if they see another person who is like getting, yeah, ton- has gone viral and it was administered in that way, yeah, without being really conscious of intentionality and truly what you're being guided and called to share, if you're not just watching that one piece so much, you can so easily unconsciously get pulled into, oh my gosh, it worked for that Reiki woman. Like I can easily do that too. I've got my level one or level two or whatever. And like for that one, when she sent the love romantic partnership transmission, got a million likes, like I'm just going to do that, but I'll send it for like financial abundance or yeah. And just getting out of that true aligned place of delivery. And it's interesting, like as we've been, I feel like both of us have been gesticulating a lot more in this part of the conversation. Like you were just sort of gesturing up. It's like this very like kind of leaving home frequency energy. And it brings me back to how we do the work is the work. It's like truly what is your intention what is the world that you want to see? And if that world does not involve jacking up people's nervous systems and involves like space to like breathe a little bit and, and you know, space for people to make a choice about whether or not they want to interact, then you, then we're being called to do that now. We're being called to not make those compromises and we will be divinely supported. It's like the logic that's like, no, I should post the TikTok in this way because that will make me successful. It's like you will be provided for completely on your path. And if you're emanating that frequency of integrity and love, more is going to come back to you than you can ever even imagine. Ah, before we get into the closing ritual or whatever practice you're being, you're bringing, is there 
anything else. I mean, I had so many different things on this, uh, on these pieces of paper that we could have gone into, but is there anything else still on your heart that you feel would be good to share? I feel really complete from one perspective and just grateful for this conversation. I think I often at the end of an interview feel this instinct just to like ground the energy and to bring people back to that place of like, we've spoken about so much and everybody's going to receive something different from this. Everybody's path is completely different. Um, And just that invitation of like, if you're listening to this, if you're resonating, if you're feeling called, then you are. And as cliche as it is, we make the road by walking it. And what's that next right action? Like out of everything that we've spoken about, just that invitation for folks to feel into, like what is out of all the ideas, what's the thing that resonated most? And what would it look like to let that energy move you right now? Because that is truly how we create a better world. It's not by like masterminding and architecting some some vast new civilization. It's these singular choices to be moved by love just a little bit more. That was a really good button. Is there a brief, anything, um, practice or ritual or guided, anything that you want to do? So it was interesting coming in here. I had an idea about what I thought it would be. Um, I have this meditation that anybody can download for free called the future world meditation. I did that the other day, really enjoyed it. I'm so glad to hear that. You can find it for free at thefutureworldmeditation.com. I also um, signed up for your newsletter. I was like, while well, I'm in here, let me just like see what else Aaron is doing. So yeah. Thank you for that. So I, I have like a brief version of that that I do for folks that helps us connect with that energy of a world where, where we all thrive, but actually when as soon as we started to bring in the Christ energy, I felt I just got this download of I think what we're what we're what may be most of service is just to do a small like loving kindness practice where we just sit with healing that separation. Because if people are still listening, there's probably some people, some energy, some institutions that you are still not in complete resonance with, and you're you're wondering what it would look like to be to be accessing more love um, in that space. So. We'll just do, do a little practice here to move that energy. So just inviting ourselves just to become really present in this moment, just noticing that we're here in all the ways that hear me, here in the body that you're in, here on the planet where you are geographically, here listening to this interview today. I'm just bringing some breath into the body, not trying to change anything, just actually greeting yourself as you are. We just set the intention that everything that happens in this experience right now be an expression of love, be for the highest good. And the intention is also to have an experience of releasing separation and coming back to love. So the practice we're going to do is a modification of the traditional meta loving kindness practice where you feel your heart connection with yourself and with anybody that is showing up in your reality that's that's presenting a challenge as we know that everything that we're seeking outside in the world, it needs to start within us. So the phrase that we're going to work with today is, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live a life of peace. I invite you to see yourself now in a beautiful place in nature that's just surrounded by this golden web of light, really sacred, safe place welcoming in the elements, letting yourself be soothed and and grounded into this space, feeling the water, 
cleansing you, feeling the air, bringing revitalization, feeling the fire, clearing away anything that no longer serves you, and just feeling that earth, that deep resonance, that feeling of being held. And in this beautiful place in nature, finding a, a clearing where you can sit and seeing a seat across from you in this clearing. And first we invite to this seat yourself, inviting forth any aspect of yourself that you feel disconnected from. Just trusting whoever shows up first. Seeing the golden light within your heart, feeling this heart center and seeing the same light lit up inside this part of you that you're sitting across from. I invite you just to see that light flowing more and more in between the two of you as you say this phrase, this mantra, and truly meaning it. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. Again, sending this love and this care to yourself. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. One more time, feeling this swell of this divine love between you and yourself. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. Allowing this love to flow between you and yourself, reaching an organic completion with yourself, knowing that you can always revisit this. And next we call forward someone in the world who you really love. Maybe it's a friend or a partner or an animal. We're just going to cultivate this love even more deeply, seeing again that golden core in the center of their heart mirrored in yours. And we say the mantra, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live a life of peace. Once more, may you be happy, really feeling this intention for this person. May you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live a life of peace. Feeling that heart opening, that deep, genuine care that you have for this person, allowing them to leave the circle or stand to the side, and then calling forward someone that really upsets or triggers you, someone that you do not feel a sense of deep connection with in a positive way, someone who brings up a feeling of pain or disconnection, maybe someone in your life, it may be a political figure maybe an institution or even an entire identity, an entire group of people represented in one person. We call this person forward, again, to this seat in front of you. You see that that same golden core within you is also mirrored within them, just like the ones who came before. And we feel the intention to feel, to really mean these words as we say our mantra three times. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. Breathing as you say this mantra again. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. Breathing deeply here, allowing yourself to be complete with this person for now. And giving thanks to all the energies that came forward. I invite you to stand up in this beautiful place in nature on your own or surrounded by those who you just sat with, seeing yourself, feeling yourself, 
standing tall and strong with your sternum up, your heart open, this beautiful light within your heart, feeling the sun radiating down on you, just amplifying this light. And we're going to say our mantra one more time. And now we amplify it to the whole world, seeing the golden core within every being connected inextricably and sending this prayer out to them. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live a life of peace. May we be happy. May we be healthy. May we be safe. May we live lives of peace. Breathing deep as you feel this love flow to you and through you, connected to the the purest core of every being on this planet. (sighs) And then beginning to come back to yourself, lingering here as long as you'd like. This connection is always here. We just made a choice to tap into it. We remind ourselves that if we can see it, if we can feel it, we already are it. And so this level of connection and peace is deeply possible. Seeing yourself now in this beautiful place in nature and just tending to whatever you need to feel complete for now. Maybe that's playing in the water, lying down on the earth and really absorbing the energy of what you just did. And I invite you as we close to allow your next right action to emerge for you. You've just done some really beautiful work. You're about to emerge back out into your day. What is the single next right action that you can take to carry this love back out into the world? Seeing that, choosing it, committing to it, and then allowing yourself to wiggle your fingers and your toes to become aware of your body and space and time right here and right now. And here we are, ready to go out and do whatever it is that we're called to do. So it is. And so it is. Oh, that was really helpful. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Definitely a needed practice, and especially after the final person the one that's triggering or a little bit more challenging to love. After I did that practice, I got like this whole body like whoosh, like surge, especially when I said like, I'm complete. Like after it, I was just like, I felt that soul contract just dissolve, you know, with honor and golden heart energy. Beautiful. That was good. Thank Thank you you for, for going on the journey with me. What I love about that practice is it's a practice. You know, there's so much power in simply showing up and intending to wish well to someone that you've probably subconsciously been holding that back from in some way. And sometimes we have a huge completion and sometimes it's like, well, you know, I felt a little something and that's okay. Right. And so just for anybody that, you know, whatever experience you had, just knowing that it really means something that you showed up with that intention. Absolutely. Mm, So good. Oh, goodness. Well, I will, of course, I always let everyone know how to find um, the incredible Ceremony Circle guests on all the show notes and on social media. 
But for someone that doesn't want to wait for that and they're just like, where do I find Aaron Rose? Where do they go? The first place I direct people is Instagram these days. I'm just at Aaron X Rose. I often am there daily and I'm on the other side of submitting my book that I'm finishing right now. I'm going to be really deeply back there and and definitely called to just be of daily service in that space, have, have a space even within the wild, wild west of the internet where people can, can come and feel this energy of, of love and, and commitment to, to liberation. Um, so Aaron X Rose, and then you can also find me at my website, AaronXRose.com. And that's where all the, the deeper programs, deeper resources are. Got it. And have you shared yet the title of your book or no? I have not yet. And I was praying into it. I was like, is Allison going to get the exclusive? Um, And it still feels like a baby that I know the name, but, and then as soon as the baby's born, we'll, we'll know the name. It's, it's just in the last, last few weeks of that, that process Mm -hmm. before before the whole world knows, which is exciting. Wow, that's so exciting. I can't wait to be able to dive into it and see it take um, more earthly shape and form. Thank you. And congrats on your book as well. We were speaking before just about the wild initiation of creating a tangible, lasting expression of your medicine. <laughs> oh, wow. I oh, honor you. Voyage. I honor you too. Yeah, I couldn't wait to see you to be like, what has it been like for you? Yeah. The best of times, the worst of times, just... Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I know what, a you know, yeah, I know it requires just kind of everything of everything to get it to the place where it's it's birthing out and you're there. So congratulations. Thank you, everyone. I know that this was... Yeah, this was a a hearty container that um, we all held. And so thank you for, you know, holding it with us and activating greater unity energy and unconditional love and compassion energy for yourself and for all. And I feel it. I felt it. And I'm grateful for you showing up. It means a lot. Yeah, thank you all so, so much. Mm -hmm. Just truly from my heart to yours this is this is it we're the ones that we've been waiting for this is the great the greatest show in the universe is happening right here and all we have to do is keep showing up mm-hmm. sit with you next time Woo! what a powerful voyage that was it is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful 
ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and... This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle. the universes.